Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And Alex had an anecdote that was so good, he couldn't wait. He had to stop telling it so he could tell it on the show. So go, go at it, man. Okay, so Macy, my wife, has been asking me what I want for my birthday. Because it's at yes. the end of this month, right? Yeah, 10 days as of recording. Right. When someone asks what you want for your birthday, you can't say what you actually want. Because yes, nine you times can. Out, it's usually expensive. Okay. Right? So, like, right now I'm thinking, like, dude, I would be sick to get some, like, dope podcasting equipment. Like, if I could get a new mic and a new boom. That's $500. Like, a- And if she loved you, she would get them for you. Yeah. It'd be one of those things that, like, if someone asks what you want and you only give them one thing and it's expensive, that's manipulation. <laughs> I mean, up. I guess. So what did you end up telling her? I told her, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I What I said is cheating, but I like doing it, is like, I'll just buy what I like. Okay. But you shouldn't do that. That's what I'm telling her. So her birthday is literally a week after mine, seven days after mine. She can't buy whatever she wants unless I give her money. You are also a chronic unbirthday man. Like, you don't care about birthdays, your birthday specifically. I don't care about my birthday. I understand birthdays are a big deal for other people, so I show up for their birthdays. But like, okay, you ne- so you, God, what I mean, I'm hearing yeah. is we need to find a new way to approach the situation. So I think that maybe beforehand, you know, beginning of March, whatnot, you got to start like a new interest that Macy would never have guessed. So that way you can like drip feed some uh, some less expensive gifts, some less expensive gifts along the way. Like, oh, March 2024. Guess who's into sewing? It's you. And guess what? Now at the end of March, you can be like, can I get some like protective gloves? You know, so I don't stab my fingers with the needles. Could I get that's what tailors have protective gloves. That makes a lot of sense. See, what how else are you going to not stab your fingers? Right. Thimbles. Or be better. Um, so, what? yeah, I think you're right. Like, she needs to catch me at the beginning of a hobby when I'm buying everything. Not at the tail end of a hobby where I've bought all the cheap stuff. Now it's just upgrades. Like, if you were, if yeah. you had a friend who was, like, into photography, you better catch him on the front end, bro. Then you can get him, like, ring lights and mounts and, like, gimbals and stuff. But if they're like, yeah, I need a new lens, RIP, bro. That's not happening. I'll get you a gift card. I just want to say that the number of sewing gloves I found on Amazon is too astronomical for you to have made a statement that makes me feel stupid about bringing it up. That's all I want to say. Okay, before we move on, because we should, I just was the voice of the people when it comes to sewing gloves, just so you know. Like, I I was like, "Ah, I could let this go. The people would not let me... Would not let and me. And I'm let this go. the voice of quiltists, people who have been long silenced and deserve their voice to be amplified. And here I am doing that. You're okay. welcome. Quiltists aren't real people, but we should talk about the movie. Okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> this week we watched The Manchurian Candidate, a 1962 movie that represents our 60s decade in our decades theme. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can go ahead and skip to this time code right here. Time code, 28 minutes, 10 seconds. 
I forgot this was a Frank Sinatra movie until literally 15 minutes until the end. I don't know what it was. Like, I guess I just don't know what Frank Sinatra looks like in like a more broad context. Like if you were to show me a photo of Frank Sinatra, I'd know who that was. But I guess in a series of moving images, Frank Sinatra unrecognizable so i forgot frank sinatra was in this movie until i saw frank sinatra in this movie and i'm like oh i paused it i'm like that's frank sinatra (laughs) yeah and then we talked about this as we were introducing it last week but this movie just has a crap ton of famous people in it like janet lee is in this angela lansbury is in this like this movie has names that we like still recognize uh and the performances in this movie are are good they're really good and i think that like the the name power was utilized very well yeah i mean if you look up the details like this movie had a budget of like 2.5 million they spent a million dollars just paying frank sinatra yeah which is insane that should not be happening and people take less than that on movies 60 years later unadjusted for inflation (laughs) right that's crazy and then I think his um, the second main character, Raymond Shaw, played by Lawrence Harvey. The Lawrence Harvey was paid four hundred k. They were working with half their budget <laughs> because they just paid two people. And, and also, just imagine walking onto set knowing that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Frank Sinatra and then being like? Uh, we really can't do this. Otherwise, we'd go over budget. And Frank Sinatra's like, yeah, you're right. You would. Like, can't afford to do that. I'm still getting paid. <laughs> if only there was some way we could recoup some of this money. And Frank's like, I got no clue. You better figure it out. <laughs> There's an air of audacity about that that I have no idea Frank Sinatra actually had. But I can't imagine being like, you know, Janet Lee, who's probably being paid $14 and half a club sandwich. And she's doing a scene with Frank Sinatra. It's just like, there's there's almost a level of resentment in that. Like, why are you making so much money on this? Yeah, because at this point, Frank Sinatra was already Frank Sinatra. Like, this came out in the 60s. He got famous in the 40s. There's a private jet in this movie. It's his in real life. Um, If you are unfamiliar with the plot of The Manchurian Candidate, I don't blame you. Uh, the movie takes place uh, effectively during the aftermath of the Korean War. And we start the movie in the Korean War from these uh, from this like platoon of soldiers that effectively get kidnapped by the Communist Party, uh, specifically Russians, and um, they were brainwashed. And Lawrence Harvey's character, Raymond Shaw, was, I'm going to say, the most brainwashed of all of them. Uh, yes. <laughs> and there's this whole, like, ten-minute scene of almost like a medical demonstration of how the brainwashing works and how far they're able to push this man. And they show that, like, we can push this man past his moral boundaries. They have him kill Two people on stage. And that's just to kind of set up like the extremities of the brainwashing. And then the war's over. Raymond goes back to civilian life. And the movie is kind of about people slowly figuring out that he's brainwashed and manipulating him 
to do their bidding for political reasons. And the biggest person that manipulates Raymond via his brainwashing is his mother. Yeah, dude. Um, It was weird when you find that out. Because, like, you would suspect it because she's acting fishy the entire movie. She is just yes. a not good person the entire movie. You just don't realize she's the one calling the shots until, like, the end. Because there's no reason for you to think that. Yeah, and I think the biggest difficulty that a modern audience is going to have when going through this movie is so much of this movie is not about being brainwashed. Like, this movie's two hours long, and I would say an hour of it is effectively about the brainwashing. So after we get introduced to the concept... And Raymond goes back to civilian life. That's where we kind of hit like a good 40 minute stretch where it's just like him going about his life. He has some PTSD that he has to deal with. He tries to go and have like a working job. We explore the relationship that he has with his mother and his stepdad. And that takes a good chunk of time. And we really have stopped exploring the brainwashing aspect. Dude, there were so many times with like... The dialogue scenes were so long that I was like, focus, pay attention. <laughs> and like, I wouldn't say I was missing out on anything. Like, I don't know what I missed out on, but there's some scenes with like Frank Sinatra. Then I'm like, golly, he's talking a lot and I feel like it's important. Specifically with his character. His character's name was Major Marco. Yeah. I didn't realize how important he was as a character until like the third time his name gets brought up in like the third separate scene. I'm like, oh, we're really focusing on this Marco dude. Because up until that point, the movie's about Raymond Shaw, right? right. They say his name a bunch. You he would wins be hard the Medal pressed. of Honor. He's, yeah, you he's would be, the guy. You would be hard pressed to walk away from this movie not knowing the character name Raymond Shaw. And so the fact that there's like a after the first act, the perspective switches to Marco's perspective and it stays there for a while to a point where I'm kind of like, so who's the main character? Like, I know the main character is like a broad subject that like doesn't have to be fulfilled, but it got to a point where we spent so long believing that Raymond Shaw is the guy that we're supposed to be focused on, that by the time we realize it's actually Marco that's going to be telling us this story, it's a weird, almost bait and switch. Because after that, Raymond Shaw becomes, he's more of a deus ex than anything else. He is a tool for the story rather than the story itself. And that pivot was a little weird to sit through. Right. I think the big scene that made me focus on Sinatra is there's a scene where his like commanding officer comes in and says, Hey, you're getting reassigned. And like, then you see, you know, Frank Sinatra become a PR agent. And then there's another scene with him being like, you're the worst PR agent ever. He's like, well, I haven't (laughs) been doing, I've been doing it for like six months. Like I'm still figuring it out. And like, well, you're doing horrible. I think you're going to take like a sabbatical, a forced sabbatical. Um, And it's not just like, I'm not doing that. And he goes, listen, I'm, it's forced. This is an order. You can't be in the army right now. Like I'm forcing you to go essentially go on indefinite leave. And I'm like, wow, this is a long scene to just talk about this guy's like mental issues and stuff. I'm like, Oh, I think this is about him because at that point in the story, 
that's when he goes into like detective mode and he starts to figure out why am I having these dreams about being brainwashed or was I brainwashed? What was happening? Have other people been experiencing these dreams? What's going on with Shaw? And that's when like the story is like, okay, this is what it's about then. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And I want to cut this movie a little bit of slack because this movie had to explain brainwashing to people. Like this is like a new concept that it's introducing. And the fact that, like, it has to double back on that concept a few times. And that's kind of why I'm giving the movie a little bit of of slack for the some of the density of the exposition. Just because it is kind of a heavy topic to just, like, spring on an audience. Yeah, it wouldn't be so bad if they weren't, like, forcing them to kill people. Yes. Because yeah. then you're like, okay, I mean, like gaslighting had been a term that was out already but brainwashing and being like oh by the way i'll just make this person kill people and they won't even remember it yeah so that was pretty freaking wild um this movie does force you to overlook some things it's just like we're gonna have to pretend like this is normal for instance um reconnecting with a person you haven't seen in like 10 years and falling in love immediately again. <laughs> That's like a pretty big plot point of this movie. Is Raymond Shaw falls in love with the senator's daughter. And then he joins the army. Gets the medal of honor. Gets out of the army. Has a career. And then they reconnect. Like in the end of the second act. And then get yeah. married. It was long enough to where like I did not immediately recognize her. I was like, is this a second yeah. girl? Is this... Because there's like a flashback in the second act. And we've never been introduced to this chick before. And then she shows up 20 minutes later. And I'm like, oh, is this the same chick from the flashback? Yeah. Like, the movie talks about her with such an importancy like we would have already known her. And the relationship that she has with her dad. And then that forces, like, Raymond to have a weird relationship with her dad. And... That whole, like, introduction scene where we see all three of those dynamics at the same time was, like, that was a funky scene. Like, I was able to, like, ascertain, like, all right, she's the girl. We now have a woman that's not his mom. I understand. We can carry on now. And it does circle back because Raymond gets brainwashed and gets commanded to kill her dad and her. Yeah, because it gets brought up in the in the beginning, like, by the way, we've um programmed him to kill any witnesses and then the second he kills her dad she shows up and i'm like well (laughs) see you later and so i think the the things that are good about this movie is that i think it does that kind of like dramatic tension very well where we know what's going to happen before it happens and that's part of the reason why it's engaging so like we know what raymond's psychological trigger is and so when we start seeing those clues get dropped we're like all right raymond's about to go do something highly unethical probably illegal um i will say you're gonna be sick and tired of the queen of diamonds by the end of this movie (laughs) yes it's yeah So much so that when someone wears a queen of diamonds, you kind of roll your eyes a little bit. Dude, it's everywhere. It got obnoxious. So, like, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I guess. Like, I mean, you have to. It's a major plot point. 
it just gets shoved down your throat for like the second half of the movie every couple of minutes. Like, we get it. That's his trigger. We get it. This movie has more solitaire than any other movie you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, I mean. I, I just think like from a, from a structural sound point, I think that this movie needed a bit of an upgrade in the pacing department. And there were definitely some things that were high stakes that I kind of just stopped caring about after a certain point. And I don't know if that's because I had been in it for so long that I stopped caring or they took too long to do the thing. It's just like I got to a point in this movie where I was able to recognize like these are important events that are happening. And I do like the style in which it is happening. However, I am ready for this movie to be over. Yeah, it's it's a two hour movie. It feels longer. It's dialogue heavy. There's lots of setting. There's just so much going on. It's it's obnoxious. Yeah. And there are just some characters that I feel like aren't fleshed out as well as I would have liked them to be. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why Raymond gets uh activated at all once he's a civilian is because a Korean agent like infiltrates his his stead and he poses as like a jack of all trades uh, assistant. And that's kind of what gets the ball rolling again. That character gets, he gets shown like twice and we see effectively nothing about him. He's just there to get the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. And every event after that is almost inconsequential to this character's existence. And it's just to a point where you're like, why show it in the first place? Yeah, it's, I mean, this movie has flaws and we've, we've talked about it. Uh, also, there's too many characters in this movie. Everybody's yes, important. especially old white senators. Yes. As soon as I realized I was going to have to know more than one senator, I'm like, oh, we're going to have a problem. Because yeah. there's like his stepdad senator. There's his father-in-law senator. There's a governor who is running for president. And then there's various officials who are just around and you don't know who's important or not. So like the guy that Sinatra's doing PR for is like the secretary of defense. And then there's like other people on top of that. And I'm like, dude, this is, there's just too many people going on. I also don't know who's superior. Like there's military personnel everywhere. And I'm like, are these guys important? Are these guys one of the people who got brainwashed? Are these guys like in the chain of command? It, it there's too many characters, bro. And half of them are recurring. So you kind of need to pay attention to who's who. Yeah. So this is just one of those movies that like, I don't have much more to say about it just because I felt not as moved one way or the other. Like my needle did not move in either direction when watching this movie. I um, like the concept. I think this movie has a very strong concept. And I think that it has very strong action sequences. It's just that the the format of it and the way it went about it just left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I could yeah, one hundred percent. Um is this movie more movie or film, do you think? What a great question. Because there's definitely some like highly conceptual aspects of this movie. I'm like, okay, this is a lot more film. This is a lot more like let's take a shot in the dark. This has never been done before. But the other time like there's action sequences, there's a romance sequence, there's like pretty the dialogue is relatively easy to follow it's just kind of boring yes and so it's easy to want to call it a film 
because it's boring. And because it's old. People, if it's yeah. old, a lot of people just like go straight into um, a, f- a film. A mindset. film. Like it's just artsy because it's black and white. I don't, it's, I don't know if it's, it's definitely not a hundred percent film. It might be, it's pretty close to 50, 50. That, that's what I was thinking is if I had to like plant a flag, I would just say 50, 50. There are moments that are entertaining. There are moments that are supposed to speak to a higher purpose. Um, And also like, this movie came out at a very influential time for it, too. I don't know if this movie would have landed if it came out after when it did. Because this movie came out, like, at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis. McCarthyism was, like... I mean, if you had to take a shot every time they said communist, you'd be dead. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the two biggest points in u.s history in which communism was a fear was right after the korean war and in the middle of the cuban missile crisis and so hey guess what this movie checks both of those boxes pretty hard um so i think that helps this movie's legacy is just the fact that it existed in a very important time for a movie like this to exist now all this to say this movie's not very like american propaganda e. Like, the way I've just described it for the last two minutes, you'd think it'd be like a gun-toting, red, white, and blue, like, flag-waving movie. It's really not. It's yeah, just... for a movie that the main characters are soldiers and one of them's a Medal of Honor winner, it's... You kind of forget that, yeah. like, this movie, like, revolves around America. It has a lot of American politics, has a lot of American military. You can forget that pretty easily. Yeah, this movie is about infiltrating American politics, but not like from the Korean aspect. It's about Americans wanting to keep their own American power. It's not about some foreign nation trying to like invade. It's just, it's all internal. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, who, what's the demographic for this movie? If you, if you had to recommend this movie to people who, what's the kind of person you'd recommend this movie to someone that's working through a list of all the tropes that have existed Like, like that's the reason why I wanted to watch it is because the sleeper agent trope is so prominent in various eras of media that it's, I think it's a good concept to go and watch like the movie that made it popular. And like, it is nice to see it in this context. I think, um, specifically Lawrence Harvey, like acts his pants off the entire movie, like his performance alone could be a selling point to watch this movie. Um, right. And so if you want to watch like old famous people do their thing, like that's kind of the best reason I have to recommend this movie to someone. Yeah. My thing is, although it's only 50% film, 50% movie, it's old enough and it's in black and white that I only recommend it to people who dig films. Yeah. I think the regular person, 50% film is still all, a lot of film. Yes. Um. Did you end up watching the Denzel one? I made. I'm an hour into the Denzel one. Okay. Let me tell you, well, it's the same movie. <laughs> it's so boring. It's the same movie. So Denzel is playing Sinatra's character. I will tell okay. you. Okay. It's a star-studded cast. It's insane the star power they got for this movie. I think it's just because they're like, hey, do you know how big the first one was? Uh, I think we can do that again. Denzel Washington, uh, Liv Schreiber, Meryl Streep, Jeffrey Wright. This is Anthony Mackie before he blows up. Yeah. Um, John Voight's in it. Dude, 
It's nuts, bro. Um, I will tell you, it's it's the same freaking movie. It's instead of um the Korean War, this one's like the this is right before the War on Terror. So this or maybe okay. this is right after. It takes place in Iraq. In the midst of the Gulf War. Gulf is War is what the yeah. Um the names are the same. They cut out a couple characters. So Raymond Shaw, his stepdad isn't a senator. He's the senator. And his okay. mom, Meryl Streep, is trying to get him to run for vice president. So, so just, is it similar enough to the point where you would just be like, watch the Denzel one instead? Like, is the Denzel one an easier watch it's, just because it's, it's a an little bit easier newer? watch? I like the first one better. Okay. Because, like, it might be an easier watch, but, like, it's... It's not a good movie. This is way more movie than film. And I'll tell you, this movie, The Manchurian Candidate as a whole, as a script and as a concept, does better 50-50 film and movie. This movie is like 75% movie, 25% film. It does not work because hey, the pacing guys, is I'm slow. Just, it's just I'm so just many gonna things say wrong it. It. I'm just going to say it. This would probably just be better as a play. Oh, like for sure. Like the fact that this exists as a movie at all is kind of buck wild. This just needs to be a play. <laughs> it's it's just weird, bro. Also, I'm supposed to believe there's once you've seen the first one, this one's kind of like obnoxious is not the good word. It feels like I just watched the pros do it, like the NFL, and then I went to go see like the state champs of high school. Like they're still good. But there's, they're just missing that it factor. Yeah, they're still good, but I have to remind myself, I'm like, all right, guys, this isn't the original. <laughs> they're copying <laughs> off a lot of stuff. They're overacting this part. I mean, Denzel Washington's good in everything he's at, but it's just like, this isn't the best. It's it's not great. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. That's fine. I would not um, hold it against you if you didn't. Also, like in the, the first movie, Manchurian Candidate, like the enemy are the Russians and the Chinese. So they got Chinese people and Russians, right? And that's they were the bad guys back then. Now it's like all the bad guys are just like Muslim. And it <laughs> somehow feels more racist than the movie that came out in the 60s. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm like, I don't like this movie. I don't like it. Um, it might, I don't know, dude. I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it in the reverse order. I don't know what would have happened. But definitely- yeah. If you have to watch this movie and you're not used to watching films, then you're probably going to like the Denzel Washington one anyway. If you can tolerate films, black and white, a little bit slower pacing, then definitely go for the 61. Not even close. I prefer the 60s one. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think this movie sits at where I put movies that I respect but don't necessarily love. We do give this movie a flat six. Okay, I'm going to give this movie a, I want to say five. I heard you start with an F sound. I want to say five. I'm going through the list to see other fives. Yeah, I'm going to say, I mean, a five and a quarter. I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a five and a quarter. Because like this movie is one I would recommend to very specific people. But I'm not going to watch it again. But I, and I also don't regret watching it. Once I get into fours, I'm like, oof, I lost time. Sure. Um, yeah, but five and a quarter, it's really on the fence. It's not a bad movie, but it, it wasn't my favorite. Now imagine yeah, if it's a five and a quarter, imagine what Denzel's was like. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't imagine very great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to our improv segment. This is a segment where we be a little silly. We get a little silly. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole purpose. Um, this week, we are doing a segment called From the Desk of PG News. This is when Alex and I cover some fake news stories. There's usually a reporter live on the scene, and we kind of figure out we got to get to the bottom of what's happening in this in this little story that we have to break. Makes sense to me. Alex, do you want to be at the desk, or do you want to go out in the field first? Um, I want to be out in the field. <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to the evening news at PG News. Uh, today we have our top story of the night. Uh, believe it or not, we have a factory strike over at the Kraft Food Factory. However, these workers are striking for a reason that you might not expect. We have an agent down on the field. Uh, Mr. Good, what, what do we have down there? Hey, Jerry. Um, I'm here, you know, this is my first macaroni story. Um, and I thought we were down here because vegans found out that the cheese was not, of course, vegan. Turns out the workers are striking, and uh, it's because there, there's there been a man who has been stealing other workers' lunch and inserting it inside of himself. Okay, now when you say inserting it inside of himself, is that what other people would just call eating it? Um, In reverse. In reverse. So how is in reverse? So he's throwing it up? He is taking the route no food normally takes in okay. the other order. And okay. apparently management of the factory have no evidence of him doing this. It's just a widely known secret and the workers are on strike because he's done it to everyone at this point. So he's giving himself nutritional suppositories right. using other people's lunches and the workers aren't happy about this. Yes. Believe it or not, they are not thrilled about this. And apparently this has okay. been going on for years. Well, uh, if I can be so frank, and maybe you can answer this question for me. Um, if it's been going on for so long, how come people are doing something about it just now? I feel like um, if my lunch got suppositoried, I'd say more than twice, I would be willing to go on strike. Well, this is where we bring in the inflation and economy. This man was once a executive and every time he did it to someone's lunch he replaced it with something better a lot of times it would be pizza parties olive garden things better than a you know a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a granola bar that you would take to work however uh due to some misconduct unrelated to suppositories and enemas um he has lost that position and can't afford to pay people back but he will continue this behavior okay so it has the now that the strike has happened, has the board said anything about like meeting demands? Have the strikers uh, um, uh, brought forth any demands? Like where where do we stand on this negotiation? Well, the demands are pretty clear. Uh, they want them fired. Okay. Um, I think they originally wanted to be compensated for the lost food, but I think at this point they just want them out of there. Um, and when I last spoke to the leadership, there's still no actual proof that he's doing this. Although it might be a well kept secret or well known secret. Everyone might know this. It is still all alleged. There's been no actual proof. And they're worried about a lawsuit if he were to be fired. But you would think that the money that they've lost with these workers being gone for so long that at this point they should probably just, you know, take the lawsuit. I feel like at this point it's a little bit cheaper. Um, or like bring in some sort of forensic analyst. I feel like there are some official routes that this could be going. Also, if there's no evidence of it, why would the workers lie about that? 
I think they've lost a lot of trust in their workers, to be honest with you. And due to the recent hikes and demands for wages here in the U.S., they are looking at moving macaroni and cheese overseas. So all these Which workers seat? currently protesting, the company might have some retaliation and they might instead be the ones who lose their jobs and then, you know, obviously pay lower wages for people in for instance thailand which i heard they're opening up a factory in okay well this is a very interesting story i uh gonna be honest i should have read ahead on the cue cards a little bit because i'm a i'm a little bit of a loss for words i was not expecting macaroni factory suppository but here we are uh well hopefully we'll have some more on this next week uh but for now we'll move on to our next story all right hey uh Hey, Jerry, you mind if we switch spots real quick? Yeah, let me just beam over to your location real quick. Okay. Hey, I'll meet you. I'm going to I'm gonna hop in the chair. Uh, you go to my next spot. I really don't feel like being out here anymore. Okay. <laughs> just like two hours later. Hey, Jerry. Uh, this is uh, from the desk of Permanent Good. This is Alex. Um, I'm taking your spot and the seat is still warm. How are you doing out there in the field, Jerry? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I- I'm missing the warm chair. Missing the, the warm chair. Was... Now, does that have anything to do with the igloo shortage that you're covering right now? Um, Not really, but I guess that is a good segue if that's what you want to do with it. Um, Yeah, so I'm here in Nebraska talking about the igloo shortage. And the reason why it's so important is because in Nebraska, they didn't have a lot of igloos to begin with. So uh, they are few and far between. And so whenever you lose one, it kind of makes a big deal. Um, and recently they've been losing them left and right. Um, I know what you guys are thinking. Desk of permanent good news. Why does anyone in the Great Plains of America need an igloo? Well, to be quite honest, modern technology hasn't made its way around the entire country yet. So instead of having refrigerators, freezers ice cubes they have to get ice shipped in huge freight containers so that way they can make ice houses in order to store anything that needs refrigerating uh jerry i got a question for you or would you like to be called craig i know jerry's your middle name honestly who cares (laughs) okay uh jerry i've heard some rumors that a lot of these igloos were made because native alaskans were moving to the area and the housing developers wanted them to feel more at home is there any truth to this sentiment no nope in fact that's kind of just a little racist um the the igloos from what i understand were it was just the refrigeration thing um now obviously there are some uh primary suspects in where these igloos are going some say climate change some say it's the middle of summer why would they think that igloos would survive but quite frankly, the, the people in the area around here have uh, a secondary explanation as to where these igloos are going. Werewolves. Now, you see. Um, okay. I'm interested to hear uh, this pe- goes, Jerry. Yeah. Um, uh, werewolves are apparently a huge problem in Nebraska. And um, when the werewolf can't have any human victims, it takes what the humans prize the most. And if you rely on igloos, hey, guess what? That's your igloo, man. And, um, yeah, so about once a month, all the igloos disappear. No one has any good explanations for it. Do I agree with one theory over the other? 
Who's to say? I don't really know if one makes more sense than the other. So I'm kind of willing to hear out both sides. But I think more than anything else, we need to let the infrastructure invest in maybe some potentially better ways to replace the igloo longstanding rather than keep bandaging the wound. Interesting. Uh, One more question before we go. Is there also a husky shortage in the area? A husky shortage? There weren't any huskies to begin with, my man. Hey, this was your story and I'm filling in for you. Like, what kind of research did you do? For Did you retain any of this information? Not going to lie. I was really going to run with that uh, housing development story. Um, Turns out there's no truth to it all. So kind of just grasping at straws now. Man, we might re- we, we might have to reconsider your position at the network if this is how you're doing most of your All story. right, all right, Jerry, that's enough from you, Coxgun. Did that macaroni story have any truth behind it? Did you just make all that up? I did Do I have make to go that back up. Over there? I saw a suppository and uh kind of just ran so with it. So you saw it. So you're a witness. You could help the strikers be like the key witness to validify their statement. Yes, but I'm an independent news reporter. I don't. You're not independent. You work for a station. I report the news. I don't tell the truth. I feel like you and I are going to have a long talk with HR when we get home. You can't talk to me. I quit. Da 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 da. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Alex, let's move on to our middle segment. What's our middle segment, Greg? This is a middle segment that I have no idea if it's going to have feet, which is a great way to introduce segments that gives our audience an incredible boost of confidence. Um, This is a segment called Mind Your Manners. I'm going to introduce some scenarios to you, and uh, we're going to find maybe the most delicate way to navigate this scenario without hurting people's feelings, without ruining your reputation, etc. Now, these are all hypotheticals, so we might be thrusting you and us into different like relationship statuses, age ranges, etc. I just want to let that known mm-hmm. before we get started. Um, the first scenario that I have laid out for us is uh, you're on a game show and the host almost gets your name right, but he moves on too quickly for you to correct him. <sighs> So, like, imagine Steve Harvey, you're on Family Feud, and he's like, all right, give me Alec, give me Tabitha, let's get going. And so, now you just kind of have to face the fact of, like, am I just Alec to Steve Harvey now? Do I have to embrace that? I think I'd have to find a way to just, like, be funny about it, be like, hey, I mean, I don't want to call Steve Harvey Steven, but at this point, I'm wearing a name tag, you know? (laughs) Although calling him Steven is maybe the best power move that you can give (laughs) before asserting the dominance of making sure your name is said correctly. Just be like, excuse me, Steven, (laughs) it's actually (laughs) Alex. See on my name tag right here? That's an X, not a C. It'd be brutal, and bro. And I imagine like there's a producer in his ear that has already corrected him. So the fact that you that you kind of go in for like a double dip is absolutely diabolical. I mean, he's a comedian, so you gotta hope he just takes it in stride. But who freaking or knows? He does that or he does that Steve Harvey look where he opens his eyes as yeah. wide as they can. He opens his mouth just a little bit and says nothing. Yeah, that's also totally possible. I kind of hope that doesn't happen. 
It's going to be um, extremely awkward no matter what, but I just can't yeah. take it. Okay. Uh, let's say that you've been friends with this person for like three years and you've never had dinner with them before. You finally have dinner with them. You've kind of spent the afternoon together and they've been cooking for like an hour. They've been at this for a minute. And when they finally serve you the dinner, it is a plate full of worms. Are they it's alive? worms. Well, does that change your answer? Well, they've been cooking for an hour, so I want to assume they've been cooking, right? Yeah. Um, like, they're cooked worms. It's worms and meatballs, worms and noodles. Uh, but it's just worms. Taco worms. It's, it's just ju- worms. I mean, I, I guess that's a thing that you can do. Do I got like, seasonings? If, you could do seasonings. That actually might be a not bad way to navigate it, where it's like they just give you the worms, and you're like, and you kind of make like, all right, where's the tortillas? Or like you kind of make you well, make an assumption like there's supposed to be something else. It, I'd have to as soon as I found out they were cooking worms, I'd go to the opposite side of the room the entire time. So when they serve it, I could pretend like I didn't know the whole time. But like, oh, you didn't bring up that you were making. I didn't know, and I'd ask what they made it with. They'd be like, ah, oh, it's coconut oil, um, a little bit of salt, and pepper. I'd be like, dude. I'm allergic to coconut oil. <laughs> I'm like, I wish you had prepared these differently. Um, yeah, I don't think I can eat this. I'm so sorry. That's how I'd approach it. Okay. So do you then leave? Do you offer some to to pay for some takeout? Like I would be like, I can next... I don't want to ruin this dinner for anybody. How about I go pick up dessert? Um, I'll grab something for me really quick, but I want to make sure that you know, I want to take care of you guys. And then I'd go out, eat so much food, <laughs> and then I'd come back with, like, cheesecake. Okay. It's not um, going to be good, but <laughs> I'll tell them, like, dude, I will die, and I didn't bring my EpiPen. Sure. Um, okay. You are on a first date, and it's going really well. Um, they invite you. They, they take you back to their place, and they're like, hey, maybe we can, like, watch something and cuddle on the couch. And then they turn on American Dad. Oh, my gosh. Is this a dude? Am I gay? (laughs) I mean, I know you live your truth. Okay. So I'm gay and my future boyfriend turned on American Dad, which I don't hate. It's not a deal breaker, but it's a wild thing to to start a to like end a first date with. What I'll say, here's what I'll do. I'll be like, I've watched most of these episodes before. Um, is there another show that you want to watch? Like, okay. So, so you're making the strategic pivot. Yeah. Like, can we watch anything else? I, here's what, here's what my fear is, right? I go to somebody's house. We're dating, whatever. This is my first time alone with them for some, for some reason we've never brought up movies or TV shows before. I go over to their house and they're like, let's watch my all time favorite movie. And it's like bridges of Madison County. (laughs) I'm going to have to be like. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, um, you're great. <laughs> I don't want to yuck your yum here. However, this is a pretty yucky yum that you have. I think instead of watching this movie, I'd rather you pause it and talk me through why you like it. And let's <laughs> instead of watching a two-hour movie, let's have a two-hour discussion about this movie. Um, because that's it becomes absurd. infinitely harder if you have not seen the movie, though. Right. And, but I have, and you have, and I can talk about it for two hours. Sure, and yeah. If this is their favorite movie, they can talk about it for two hours. And at the very end, we're going to break up because she's going to hate <laughs> because, me. 
And I because just, we've spent the last two hours absolutely demolishing their favorite movie. Right. Um, and that might just have to be the life I live. Uh, okay. Um, do you want to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. Okay. You are 13 years old and you have a friend over at your house and you want them to leave. Oh, dude, this is, I'm going to do the oldest trick in the book. Hey, mom. Can you just tell me, tell my friend or make up a reason that he can't be there anymore? <laughs> uh, Dude, parents can get you out of everything. Dude, a lot of times you can't invite yourself over to somebody's house unless the, like the kid invites you. Um, Cause your, your parents just say so. Be like, you can't invite yourself over to other people's houses. They need to invite you. So you just go tell your friend to tell your mom, Hey, is it okay if Alex or is it okay if Craig comes over? So I don't see why it wouldn't work the other way. Be like, I don't want to go. Okay. Hey, mom, can you the, just say no? <laughs> the only hiccup that you run into is if you have to call their parent to come pick them up. Yeah, because what if they had plans? What if they're out of town? That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could just get sick. Getting sick when you need to get sick is the hardest thing to do. I've had sure, days where like, yeah. I have an assignment due the next day. I straight up poison myself and I won't throw up. Like, I can't get sick. I think that if it's just a friend, though, they're not going to check if you're sick or not, right? So you could make the play where you just hang out in the bathroom for- And then just make noises Minimum like, 15 mm. minutes. Yeah. It, it, you don't even have to make sounds. If you are in the bathroom for 15 minutes or longer and you walk out like a little slow and melancholic and just be like, I am not feeling good, man. That is enough. Also, I've learned that- if you tell people your breath smells bad, no matter what it smells like, it smells bad. <laughs> and if it smells like mint, people think you're covering up bad breath. So you can literally have just brushed your teeth and be like, dude, I just threw up. They'll smell your breath, smell the mint and be like, oh, you definitely did. Um, so that might be a way to get around it. Yeah, I was just I've done that. I've been in the reverse situation where like I've been at somebody's house and I realize like, man, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm hungry. My mom doesn't want to come pick me up. I'm trapped in purgatory. I mean, a lot of my times, my out is watch a movie. There was a long period of time where one of my best friends beat me up. Almost every time we, were, every, every time we hung out. Beat me up with a ninja sword, like a nerf sword. Just like swung it way too hard. Actually beat me up. Uh, hit me with ping pong balls on my bare skin. And like got those welts. Wanted to wrestle all the time. And I just didn't want to be around them. And my way around it was just watch movies. Let's just watch movies. And when you're 13 and you're just like, how do I get out of this? Video games might just be the out. Movies might just be the out. Um, for some reason, kids love Family Guy. That might be the out. What do you mean out. for I mean, some reason? There's an obvious reason. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I understand why teenagers love Family Guy. 13, to be honest, the reason might just be, I'm just, this is a hypothesis. I wasn't a fan of it, but it might just be like swearing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just be like, I like it when cartoons say bad words. Um, But yeah, dude, I'm not good at this. The whole mind your manners thing, I, I'm playing by different rules than everybody else. And a lot of times it's just lie, lie, lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then Alex, what do we have for our one hit wonder? Our one hit wonder is called Universe Utopia. Craig, we watch a lot of movies. We're familiar with a lot of different world building techniques, a lot of different universes that have exist in the cinema. I've highlighted seven of them. You have to live in either universe. I want you to give me pros and cons and why you pick what you want. Okay. We're going to start it off easy. Harry Potter, 
versus Star Wars. Though this is the world is it assumed, you live in. Is it assumed that I'm a magic user in Harry Potter? Yes. Okay, then Harry Potter. Because here's the thing about Star Wars is if it's any time past like the prequel movies, wherever you live sucks <laughs> because you're always under a dictatorship. Your worlds are always underdeveloped. You could be the one good city, but hey, guess what? You're still in Tatooine. Oh, it could be like You're Coruscant. covered in sand. Coruscant is... I've never seen Coruscant after the prequels. <laughs> yes, and let's not forget, Coruscant was the beginning of a civil war. <laughs> Coruscant was the linchpin of the Empire for a long time. So... I'm like, I'm listen, in concept, Star Wars would be cool, but I'm cool with just watching that happen. I imagine that in Harry Potter, I have all of my modern conveniences plus a few extra ones. Hmm. Okay. So we're going to go Harry Potter for that one. Next one, you are not a superhero. DC, Marvel. And we're going Marvel Cinematic Universe, DC Cinematic Universe. So based off the movies. I'm, then in that case, I'm going to say DC because Marvel has a lot of political intricacies that I feel like would kind of go over my head to an extent that I don't think I would be comfortable with. Um, just because I also I feel like the Marvel movies have a lot more planet killing threats <laughs> yes. than DC does. Well, DC there's also like, the whole snap thing. Yeah, like DC has be a like Zod and Darkseid, but like Darkseid didn't make it very far, right? right? And also, when I'm in, if I live in a DC universe, all I have to do is not live in a superhero city, and I'm pretty much set. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, New York gets hit particularly bad, but so does everywhere else. So yeah. like, it's yeah, bro, it'd be it'd be rough. Okay, we're going DC for that one. Next one's a little bit tricky. It's Hunger Games versus Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Alex, you got to stop <laughs> pairing things that are dictatorships. Well, Hunger Games, you are a kid, like a younger age, right? Um, but you can be in any district. It's completely random. And yeah. in Lord of the Rings, you can be any race. It's completely random. Okay. <laughs> so you could be an elf, could be a dwarf, could be a hobbit. Completely random. But I could also be an orc under the command of Sauron, I guess. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's completely um, random. And then you, you look at the evil. Hunger Games and it's like, uh, I have, I guess, a 25% chance of living in an okay district and all the other ones are just these, these poor <laughs> famished districts. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm still going to go with Lord of the Rings. Like, just for just for my sake i feel like i would the way the randomness would work i would get unlucky and be like congrats you're in district 13 congratulations on being a bunker boy <laughs> all right we got a couple more uh monsters inc as a regular human who has to live <laughs> with monsters that could come in and scare you or shrek as a regular human in a world where there's fairy tale monsters and ogres and that well, stuff. Well, in Monsters Inc., don't they only scare the kids? Isn't it mostly kids that they're scaring? Okay, but you 
could have see to comfort that. a child that's been scared. Oh no, like that's no. not going to happen. You are the only adult in the universe who gets visited frequently. <laughs> <laughs> the only one. They come in and they're like, oh, there's all this kid stuff on the walls, but that's definitely a dude. But I still have to scare him for power. Can you imagine being an adult and being like either drunk or high when a monster bursts through your closet and then you have to go through an amalgamation of psychological battles in order to determine if this thing is real or a threat? Also, depending on who you get, they could actually hurt you. Yeah. So... It's that or Shrek. I think... And Shrek, though, here's the problem with Shrek. It's it's way older. This is like medieval times. That's what I'm thinking, is I'm going to go with Monsters, Inc. just for the sake of I still have a toilet. Okay, that's fair. Uh, three left. We're going to do Matrix versus John Wick. Okay, I'm choosing... Okay, hold on. Again, John Wick, just a regular place. No, I'm but not you're an one assassin. Of the, you're in the assassin universe. And, and, in, and in the Matrix, am I one of the revolutionaries? Yes. Okay. You're here's not the thing Neo about the Matrix. and you're not John Wick, but you run in the same circles. Because here's the thing about the Matrix that I think a lot of people, that maybe I disagree with a lot of people in this concept of, if I lived in the Matrix, I'd be okay with that. Well, if you live in the Matrix, like, it's just life right now. Yeah. Hey, when they get pulled out of the Matrix, life gets significantly worse. Just <laughs> yeah, kind of across realize, the board. None of this is real. Can you imagine waking up right now? You're like 12 and your entire life you've lived in a sack. Yeah. You live in a pod and <laughs> like, oh, there's one city that they party sometimes and that's it. Other than that, you're on a revolutionary ship that barely functions and you eat crackers for rations. Yeah, I think I'll take my quick death in John Wick. Thank you very much. All right. All right. We got two more. We got Dune versus Walking Dead. This is, I'm going to say Dune. See, this is the easy strategic pattern is which one has more luxuries and um, <laughs> not even luxuries, but amenities, right? Right. Because Dune, like, I'm assuming I live on Arrakis, right? Because that's right. the only interesting planet in Dune. <laughs> yes. Um, and the thing with Arrakis is you either live in the kingdom or in the dunes. You are <laughs> a sand person. <laughs> but... If you live in the world of The Walking Dead, things suck always. Yeah, like, but there's still if you live... kind of amenities. Okay. Like, you can go to a town. I... Yeah, but the towns suck. <laughs> yes, that's like, true. Like, let's be honest with ourselves. The best city in in The Walking Dead is, like, a town in Wyoming, okay? Yeah, it's not great. And let's assume you get so, there. Otherwise, you could be stuck in, like, a prison or something. So... I think I'm going to go with Dune just because, like, I know that Arrakis has a lot of political disparities that I would probably get wrapped up in. I'd have to deal with dictator Dave Batista. Like, that'd be something I'd face eventually. But, like, I'd deal with it when I got there, I guess. Okay. And the final one, Avatar, a.k.a. the uh, Cameron one. Pandora. Pandora. Or Planet of the Apes. Well, guys, let's not forget that Pandora or that Planet of the Apes is just Earth. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. Right. Um, but 
Planet of the Apes is possible and is happening. Yeah. Um. I. Pandora would be gorgeous, right? Pandora, you're um, a human. Oh, then no. You're a no. human with with real life Navi, or you're a human with sentient apes. Because here's the thing: if I'm a human on Pandora, there's a 99% chance that I'm a colonialist. And <laughs> yes. guys, you're not the good guy. unless it you're only Jake gets Sully, worse. you're in trouble. Because in the first movie, we're cutting down rainforests. In the second movie, we are single-handedly removing the sea life population. <laughs> like, uh, we are watching species go extinct with our very eyes. And I don't know if I'm comfortable being a part of that. So, I think the Planet of the Apes makes the most sense. All I'll punch right. a monkey, I don't care. All right, brief review. Harry Potter over Star Wars, DC over Marvel, Lord of the Rings over Hunger Games, Monsters, Inc. over Shrek, John Wick over Matrix, Dune over Walking Dead, and the Planet of the Apes over Pandora, a.k.a. Avatar. That that tracks. I'm cool with that. Because right. I'm just looking to be like, how can I not change my situation as much as possible? Right. I respect that. Um, yeah. Were there any big upsets that you would have chosen one way or the other? I would have picked hunger games over lord of the rings sure i would have picked um i think that was the big one for me i might have gone walking dead over dune okay just because it's a toss-up who you're gonna be and then walking dead i we've studied enough i mean zombie movies have been around for long enough i'm like i'm pretty sure i can figure out how i'm supposed to do this um yeah I, i would just die right that's that's fair I also <laughs> would have picked uh, Pandora over Planet of the Apes. Sure, yeah. Because, like, worst case scenario, I'll just be, like, one of the colonials who just stays back on base and just lives a regular life. A bad life. Sure. But a regular life. And Planet <laughs> of the Apes, I'd be constantly afraid, like, a girl is going to come in and rip me in half. <laughs> so, yeah. But overall, I liked more than half your decisions. Okay, cool. Okay, so for freeballing, uh, Alex said that he doesn't have anything. Um, I watched the new Guy Ritchie movie. It's called Operation Fortune Rose de Gour. Um, It has Statham in it, obviously. And Carrie Elwes and Aubrey Plaza are the other big names, as well as Hugh Grant. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty, pretty stacked cast. And let me tell you, this is the weakest Guy Ritchie movie I've seen. <laughs> it's, okay. oh boy. Like, here's the thing. Here, I watched it with some friends, and the conclusion that we came to is it is not a good movie, but it is a very fun movie. Um, The first act moves lightning fast to okay. the point where we were looking at each other and we were like, how much longer does this movie have? The answer, 90 minutes. We, we made it 30 minutes into the movie before we were like, is this movie wrapping up soon? <laughs> like, <Okay. laughs> um. And so this movie is very stylistic. Um, it has that typical Guy Ritchie suaveness that you would expect, um, especially with Carrie Elwes in a movie. Like, you can't have Carrie Elwes and not have him be this, like, suave, gentleman-like character. Yeah, kind of just how it works, huh? And he does that. I will say, in general, the performances were pretty lacking. No one has ever accused Jason Statham of being a fantastic actor, but this one, he like, I don't know, it kind of just felt phoned in from across the board. 
Um, Hugh Grant and Aubrey Plaza were very clearly aware of the fact that the movie was not great. So they were just having fun. And that that was the best part. Um, Hugh Grant plays this eccentric billionaire who's kind of just all over the place. And I was kind of down with that. And Aubrey Plaza plays the tech whiz of the group, which is not the role that I would have cast her in, but she does fine. She does her typical Aubrey Plaza-isms. Like, she's pretty cynical and um, sarcastic, and she does that very well. Um, She plays a much bigger part in this movie than I would have expected her to. Like, if you want, like, an Aubrey Plaza-heavy movie, this delivers on that. However, it's also a very technological-heavy movie with mm, maybe the worst technobabble I've ever heard. Like, it's rough. The number of times that they say, like, I got to reroute the signal. I'm going to use your phone to piggyback. I'm going to clone this thing real quick. Give me a few extra minutes. Get closer. Like, it's infuriating. Um, All in all, it's a fun movie. Don't go in expecting, like, The Gentleman or anything like that. Um, I'm walking away at, like, a 6.25. I don't regret okay. watching it, but, like, definitely wait for this one, boys. Like, <laughs> Wait till it's streaming and free. Yeah, like... Don't skip this movie if you are a Guy Ritchie fan, but if you are not a Guy Ritchie fan, let me give you some other movies first. Dope. I can respect that. All right. Next week, we are wrapping up decades. 1970s. We are watching one of those movies that I haven't seen, which is kind of surprising because this movie seems like exactly my kind of movie. Uh, We are watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and this is a big box that i've been needing to check off for a very long time yeah i've seen bits and pieces but we also ran in circles where people just quoted this movie left and right so i think this is gonna be one of those movies where we're like oh that's what that's from oh that's what that reference is from oh okay that's gonna be happening the whole time yeah and that's how we're gonna wrap up decades until then my name is craig wells aka permanent handle and i'm alex good aka alex good have fun be safe and make good choices while you're at it Tell your mama said hi. See you next week. Deuces.